0: Howdy, Memes. Welcome to the Meeple Syrup Show. Hello, oh, everybody. Hello, <laughs>
1: everybody. I think, Jesse, you got you started. Maybe it be a little bit early there. But uh, welcome, one and all, to the Meeple Syrup Show. Uh, today, we're talking about prepping for New York Toy Fair with one of our very own hosts, Erica. Um, she has been to not one but two New York Toy Fairs, and she's getting ready to go for a third, uh bringing all the chickens with her, and uh, <laughs> <No> chickens,
0: <there laughs> but not their heads.
2: There are other head. animals. There are other animals.
0: <laughs> oh, like are what? they also headless?
2: No, is this it's super adorable. No, that would be no, super cool. no. It has to do with a kind of a uh, take on a bag. Not I'm kind of bag builder, more like a bag puller, if that makes any sense. But okay. uh, it has to do with get really in wacky ingredients. And the idea is that it's it has to do with potions and that too many ingredients have been added to the potion and you have to get them back out again. Right. Uh, and so it's all these fun, random little objects that you're trying to sort and quickly mm.
1: find. Okay, cool. And, and we'll talk about um, everything that we've been designing and playing lately. Like right now, why don't we talk about that now? So... Let's talk about what we've been playing lately. And, and, you know, if you haven't been playing, let's talk about what we're designing lately. So go ahead, Jesse. I'm going to call you out.
0: You always call me out. You're so cool. <laughs> um, We played Arcane Academy and Betrayal Legacy, but like the f- one post-Legacy game last Friday. So
1: that's what you've been yeah. playing lately? any yeah, any Any, any design... Lately insight from what you've played
0: arcane academy still does a fantastic job of like building up awesome stuff but that game like completely lacks any kind of rubber banding i like wiped the floor with the other players because they didn't appreciate how the combo system worked
1: how and the chaining. Uh,
0: how the chaining works but of course i did so i won by like 50 points
1: yeah <laughs> is that because you've played yeah. before
0: yeah and none of them had
1: uh well yeah that that that'll happen um, right
0: yeah. And betrayal is still betrayal. So.
1: Yep. Okay. And Erica, what have you been playing lately?
2: I've mostly been in design mode trying to get ready for New York Toy Fair. Cause this is uh this is kind of only two main times in the year where if I've got something that's more either toy or kid based, There's kind of only like New York Toy Fair and then for me personally, just for timing, Gen Con are the only times I can kind of see those uh, bigger kind of mass companies, the ones who are not afraid of things like plastic or, you know, where the toy is kind of central to the game idea. Right. You know, so that's not necessarily the the expertise of a lot of stuff of the regular kind of hobby cons. So if you have those kind of ideas, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today, the best kind of places to go is when – where those guys show up like so where does hasbro spin master goliath mattel all those where do they show up right. and so you kind of need to be there too so yeah working on some cute some really cute stuff actually and then other than that i think i've kind of just been purchasing lots of pieces of things or <laughs> games purely for gutting purposes
1: so you've so actually yeah, bought like whole games to like pull apart to use in your game just for
2: the bits
1: hey come on bits.
2: Sometimes if something's like nine ten bucks and it's full of plastic or wood that would cost you so much more somewhere else, I'm gonna buy the game. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: you, more power <laughs> to you, more power to you. Uh, so lately, I think all I've been really playing is a game called Ruins of Mars, which is a game that Scott uh, and I are developing and Jesse's played it. Um, and so that's all I've been working on lately is uh, not not all I've been working on lately, but that's I've been playing lately um also been working on some stuff with jess and his wife uh um, helana for um lucky duck so been playing a lot of kingdom rush been playing a lot of ruined of mars and interestingly enough uh, oh jesse i should tell you this because uh, you don't know i didn't tell you yet today scott emailed me today and said hey faculty uh just met and we had discussed uh making a board game design course at fanshaw nice and he's like would you be interested? <laughs> he said, Hell yes, I'd be interested. So that's just where Scott and I work. So it's uh, very funny that the School of uh, Language and Liberal Arts would be interested in that much more than my faculty would, which is a, a healthcare medical thing. So much more interested in board games over on the liberal arts side. And I guess it's just interesting because Jesse has just uh, is looking into positions in the US in, in a lot of these types of positions. So
2: it's amazing how many colleges and universities are creating board game courses now. Like that should really indicate kind of where things are going.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's nice to see. One of the things that I, I remember, even at the Waterloo, um, sorry, Wilfrid Laurier program, uh, when Scott Nicholson, who runs the lab there, was looking for additional faculty, they were like, yeah, you need to have contacts in the industry and all those types of things. And that's where college really actually shines is um, most of the professors are very, very tied to the industry. So it's it'd be really cool to see a board game design program at my college. I would love that.
0: Yeah. Okay, program awesome. or course. Sounds like a course. Well,
1: I think it'd probably just start as a course because a whole because program it would be a lot of work. Well, it I was going to say, it gets
2: popular enough and you get enough courses behind it.
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, I think we have a we have a game design program, but it's definitely not analog. Oh,
0: <laughs> almost healthy. certainly not.
1: Yeah. I, and but, so yeah. we, could we be a substream of that? Uh, I sit on the uh, panels for that, uh, for decision making and things, but I don't know. Anyways, we'll see. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I've been playing Runes of Mars. It's a really cool game with a really neat little kind of almost Mancala system of how resources get spread around, but not as complex as like, you know, Five Tribes or anything like that. It's just how the resources get spread every round. And then Mm. basically we're trying to... uh, Jesse designed a really cool vision document that we send out to people when we are working on their dev to make sure that we're staying aligned with the vision of the designer's Mm. uh, intention and the publisher and so we haven't really talked to the developer sorry the original designer for a while but we're nicely on track i think still and that's that's kind of a testament to the questionnaire that jesse made to help us stay on track uh, The the is super happy with where it's going he's playing it this week with some of the changes and then seeing how we're going to progress past that uh, whether he wants us to finish it or to hand it back to the designer or something like that so anyways
0: we've we've got some questions related yeah. to the game design course idea paul has asked do you think the proliferation of game design courses will glut the industry with creators that's a to really which, good question to which my immediate response is aren't we already glutted with creators <laughs> We're past well, the saturation that, point, I was, that's, really that's an
2: interesting question, though, because when you talk to a lot of publishers, especially in the last year, yes, they'll say they've seen a lot of stuff, but they they'll tell you they haven't seen a lot of stuff that they're in love with, and so there's this weird gap that's starting to grow between people who are known within the industry and unknowns, and how much time publishers want to spend on either. So, is it like, do you keep looking? for that diamond in the rough, knowing that you might have a con where you find nothing, uh, or you're now approaching designers that you are actually aware of and know uh, to start working on stuff. And so the funny thing is both have their pros and cons. So it's gonna be really interesting to see where things go um, because I've been hearing this more and more over the last year, just, you know, the, the worst thing is seeing a publisher at the end of the day saying like, I saw nothing but crap today. And you're just like, oh no! I hope it's nobody I know. But you know what I mean. Like it, if that's kind of the the conversation that's having, and mm-hmm. there does seem to be more and more people that are seeking out known designers, I worry that where that divide's going to keep growing.
1: I mean, I, I don't know if that's a worry, but it's it's a it's a thing, right? It's that, a thing. Yeah, that'll definitely for breaking be- in, it's
2: a yep. bigger
0: thing. But Kickstarter makes it that way.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, Kickstarter makes it. You know, so uh, that person doesn't, you know, believe in me. Well, I believe in myself and I can go kickstart it and maybe they can. And that's fine too, right? It's that whole, you know, bootstraps type of picking yourself by by them thing. Daniel Zias is saying that as the industry grows, specialization will be required and not everyone in Hollywood is an actor, right? And I mean, just speaking about development, if you're not a designer, man, people need development, (laughs) And that may be where your strength actually lies. It's it's designing a brand new thing is really hard. Developing is a totally different
0: it's it's it, also yeah. really hard to be clear. Yeah. It's yeah. different skill sets though. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's, it's different skill it's sets. Like, it's like the flip side or the think like a, a different side of the, the the coin or the coin, but like more like a different side of a die or something, yeah. right? It's not quite exactly the same, and not quite the opposite. It's like adjacent to, but still really hard. I no yeah. no Zach, I'm not hating on self pub at all. I, I'm just no. The- that's
2: necessary too because it right? skips the step of shopping yourself <sighs> around if you feel comfortable enough that you want to be in control. Yeah. And like we've talked about that before too, is how much control do you want over your work? Is obviously uh, some people want full control. In which case, self publish. I mean, yeah. do it. You, there's all the control you need, right?
1: Yeah. Speaking of Zach, he asks, uh, "What would the final project for a board game design course be? Competition? That's a good one." Um, so, definitely capstone projects in college are a big deal. Uh, they should take a long time. Uh, they should have community consultations, so either within the board game community or playtesting outside of the college itself. All that kind of stuff is very important. Links to industry are very important. So, you know, maybe entry into a contest that's industry recognized or going to a speed dating thing, or, you know, we get a couple publishers to, you know, Skype in, you know, there's ways to do it that would make people all get the contacts that they need, but also get their product in front of somebody. But it should definitely be like a longer term thing to mm-hmm. make it, to make it decent. Yeah. Jay does his in like seven or eight weeks. I can't remember. He has a short term.
0: I was going to say it, I mean, it would really depend on how long the course was, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've thought about what a game design course would look like if I was to teach one. And if I only had a um, typical 10 to 12 week term, the final project would actually be something students worked on the entire course. And it would just be to finish a game. It wouldn't even have to be good. It would just have to be finished and thought out and like, just a, And there would also be a design document that went with it.
2: I would say at least a playtester diary kind of thing or design diary. Yeah. It's it interesting. It, I, I could see it being kind of like a combination of what I had to do for my uh, my honor psych thesis combined with some of the stuff I had to do for like advertising because I did it through college. So in advertising, one of the fun things we had to do was actually videotape ourselves interviewing And actually, like, watch it and make notes and things like that to start, because you got to be able to interview all the time and be comfortable with it. And there's a lot of skills, like, pitching could kind of fall into that same thing. And then the idea is like doing my thesis, you know, obviously I had to have, you know, a number of people involved, you know, collecting data from them and then have my final output. So having that playtester diary going through that process, like, I think there's a lot of things you could do uh, in a design course.
1: I think if it it, it was a short course, Jess, um, you know, reflective journaling onto you know, what you would do, what you will do next, what your next steps so, are?
0: So, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very hard to talk about what I've thought about in, which is to say, all of these let's things this would as, be part yeah, of the let's output make this a topic. of the course, the idea of, <laughs> so I, I guess part of what I was resisting was the idea of a final project. That sounds like something that's in some sense small and completed or completed in a small period of time, where what I would actually have students be submitting would be an entire course packet um, it would be a game with a bunch of other materials that we've been developing and working on over the entire term. Probably mm. actually their third or fourth game project, um, because you need to like fail about sixty times before you can yeah. make anything decent.
1: Yeah, I mean like um, rules and your first edit of the rules and yeah things like that. Oh, we're we have
2: to save this uh, one because I think this is a whole topic of how we can build yeah, a game design. do a
1: bunch of game and so we'll get them on.
2: Yeah, you're th- you have three teachers talking about school. Stop it, people.
1: Right, so back but to then we, we actually, none of us actually teach game design which is funny no. so we'll get some people on who do teach game design and have them go at it too
0: and then we'll but, argue with yeah
1: them. <laughs> so uh let's get back to the show how about we get back to the show so the show is all about new york and we're gonna put erica in the big pick because she's the only one that's actually been to new york toy fair but tell okay. us a little bit about new york toy fair and what do you love about it
2: so it's Really interesting. So my background, funny enough, like we've t- talked about this a little bit before, is advertising, but specifically used to be car advertising. I used to do P- Pontiac, Buick, and GMC. And so going to New York Toy Fair is like the toy equivalent of going to like the auto show, if that makes any sense. Uh, if you've ever been, where it's just like it's not it's not like a regular con. Like this is the best way to put this is it's much more like a trade show. And so when you're on the floor, and I'll talk more about the floor as we go too it's don't expect to necessarily be there to purchase things it's not that type of con because this is for wholesalers and suppliers and retailers and things like that like really high level a lot of the times so it's people buying their stock for the year or the next year or it's kind of crazy the timelines because everything is always a year prior like they they, they compound yeah. actually pretty quickly. Uh, and that's it. That's their one timeline. Everything's decided in those couple of months. Everything's set for the next year. And your next chance is not until the next year. And that's just how the cycle goes. So, uh, yeah, it's a really interesting one. And um, we we were actually really hoping to have a couple more people from corporate on the show today. But they are all going to the exact same show right now as well, which is they're all heading to Nuremberg right now. So. Uh, We're definitely got some of these guys coming on later on to talk more about their company specifics. So, for example, we're working right now to make sure we've got permission for someone from Mattel to come on and uh, another person who's kind of big uh, more within the uh, toy and game scene. So we're working on that. But since they're all in Nuremberg right now, uh, we're going to talk a bit more about what maybe what the experience is like from a designer trying to jump in to something that's not quite like any conventional hobby con it is mult like basically when usually when you see a con we're used to things being rammed so imagine more space covered with stuff but less people like you're not going because again people don't line up to buy things like when they show up to buy something they're buying by literally like the skid right so it's it's a different dynamic to start right. and a lot of the people going if they're not that side where they're purchasing uh, a crazy ton of them um, are, are designers, but they're actually toy inventors. And they are their own breed as well. well. talk about those guys a bit. I will just say that when I start explaining more about pitching to corporate, uh, it'll start to make sense. Anyone who's worked in business knows that paper trail, like you got to have paper covering everything, making sure there's no liability. And we'll talk about this, too, is the prototype levels are insane so uh we'll talk a bit more about that but just i'll give it as a heads up people show up with fully made toys so when they see games your game has got to be as as good as you possibly can make it look because they are very much visually based first and so just when we get into that a bit more i'll explain more but i'll just say when someone's showing up with something that they spent thousands of dollars prototyping because they're an inventor when you show up as the game designer, you kind of have to have something oh. that's not necessarily equal. I'm not saying spend that kind of money, but you have to make it look good.
1: Yeah, which is very different than hobby. Very, very. Yes, different than Yes, yes. Right? I
2: mean, you cannot show up as something just printed on paper and sleep kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be as close to what you possibly could make at the time.
1: <clears throat> right. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. And because so do do you think do you think Erica that at New York Toy Fair that the companies that are looking for games are as like, quote unquote savvy about what games are, or do they just really know what games they know are.
2: Well, it's, I think they look for something totally different. So, okay, tell like us about when that. You, so I, I mean, I can get into pitching kind of like I've got a bunch of notes on it, yeah. but so one big thing, one big difference I would say is a lot of the times when you go to pitch a hobby game, you're gonna go right to both the fun and the mechanics, right? And you might go through why your mechanics are interesting or different and things like that. That kind of talk won't really work when you're pitching corporate. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some great examples, like you know, if especially if you can get the the Pete, the person we know uh, from Mattel on. He does design and and. Uh, you know, accepts pitches. So at least, you know, maybe a bit more savvy from that part. But for the most part, when they're looking for a game, this is kind of what it goes down into. So they're they're you know, I'm going to start from kind of the whole beginning of pitching. And then, then you'll kind of hear the differences as you go along. First off, when you go to pitch something, everything is going to be in some sort of small, either cubicle or offsite private place or something like that, where technically nobody else can hear what's going on because everyone is so paranoid about ideas being stolen to the point where they will space people out. Like you might have a office that's completely separate. Uh, Mattel one year owned like an entire floor that you couldn't even get into unless you had the special clearance. Uh, I've had to go to hotels and actually wait to be let up elevators to go meet with like, let's say Hasbro or someone like that, Mattel as well. They'll do wacky things where they might rent out like uh a hotel room that's got like a boardroom in it or like a a you know like a dining room table sort of thing. They'll act like it's a boardroom, but they'll purposely get a room that has like two uh doors. So they'll put people out one to let people in the other so they don't see each other. Like it <laughs> it's a very different experience uh if you're in hobby of, right now.
0: You know, fun to go to. Get, get your best black suit and like reflective okay, sunglasses, sunglasses part
2: and <laughs> of it so people yes are dressed in suits high heels you name it you will probably not i mean again most of these people are very official very corporate or they're head buyers you know they're they're there to impress this is their job they're here for their work so they're dressed like it which is going to be very different than a hobby where you see people walking around in like t-shirts and jeans. Uh, you will stand out if you're walking around in t-shirts and jeans. So there's sort of an expected level of, I guess at a lot of levels, there's a kind of expe- expectations on what things will be like. So, uh, you know, you, get, you may get made fun of for wearing dress shoes by some of the, the game people. Like, you know, for example, you know, asthma day is usually there and they'll kind of giggle about people being all dressed up when they normally don't see them looking like that for the rest of the year but you kind of don't have a lot of choice. You really will stand out. And I don't think be perceived the same way if you don't sort of not, as I said, you got to up that prototype. You got to up your own appearance. Uh, It's kind of part of it.
1: Right. So what does Daryl wear? Does he like take off his hat?
2: He actually has a suit.
1: That's ridiculous. Yeah. Daryl, does it it have shorts for pants?
2: (laughs) He wishes.
1: (laughs) Hey, like, like, uh, like a, like a black and white baseball cap, maybe
2: <laughs> he doesn't wear the baseball cap, which I'm sure is to his chagrin. But yeah, it's 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 its own thing. So, uh, so besides the offsite things, uh, NDAs are a huge part of this world. Uh, NDAs to get even to get into the meeting, NDAs to get onto their portals, NDAs to leave the meeting. Like you'd be amazed what they'll do. <laughs> so the the process of pitching is quite different. So imagine. There might still be one person, but a lot of times it's more than one person who's who's going to be in front of you. And they will record on a their own, you know, corporately set piece of paper every single game that you present to them, whether they're interested or not. They write down every name, a description, <laughs> yeah. everything so that they have basically can say, no, we did not steal this idea from you. They're trying to cover their own butt is sort of how it works. So they know very quickly what they want. They know their brands really strongly. Uh, and what that means is, is that they can tell you within a few seconds, like, yeah, yep, no, yeah, no. Um, and I will say, don't be afraid of materials. It's one thing in hobby where we really worry a lot about what is your game going to be made out of? How expensive is that? How heavy is that? These guys are used to working with molds, plastics, and other types of materials that don't be afraid of, like, your idea or the materials you're thinking. That's not where the sticking point for them is going to be. The sticking point for them is more like, what is the complexity of the game? Is it, you know, is it toyetic enough? We talk a bit about that. Can it go viral? Could you teach it in, like, a minute? Can someone basically see it on a table and guess how to play that game already? And so that's a very big difference from... What we'd normally think of hobby games, because a lot of times these are kid intro or mass,
0: right? So what? So so okay. So what's the first, the content of the first sentence of your pitch? If you so we we've done this before for hobby pitches. We've done like Mad Lib hobby pitch templates. What's the mm-hmm. Mad Lib template for getting your pitch started in this environment?
2: If you can explain pretty much right away how exactly your game is fun. And then be able to actually have someone playing it in like, let's say like less than a minute explanation, you're already good for what they're looking for.
0: So you start by putting it on the table.
2: They want to see what it is. You say, uh, you know, it's this type of game. So for example, uh, maybe it's a dexterity game. No, you can say dexterity game, but you really want to go into much more quickly. As I said, don't focus on the mechanics of it. You kind of want to go right into an explanation of, this is the game. This is why it's fun. This is the parts. Um, And so I would say that's kind of where you deviate from when you're pitching uh, more hobby is what you're focusing on when you're having this discussion. So when they're looking at something, they want to see, you know, will it look good on a shelf? Will it look good set up? Does some, as I said, could someone intuitively kind of guess already like how you'd play this game? Do I want to touch it right away, right? So I would say, I don't want to say gimmick isn't quite the right word, but gimmicks are in a in a good way, a very essential part to what these games will be. Uh, they kind of want to see that right away. And so, so for certain companies, like House is a really big one, is they want a game that's already going to sell itself, meaning it can market itself. There's something silly, fun, embarrassing, whatever it is. And this is kind of why there's so many things about Poop out there, I think, right now,
0: right? Is that
2: there's something that makes people giggle or feel embarrassed or whatever it is, but enough so that it's an immediate reaction. And because of that, it means that they can get people taking videos of it. People want to take videos of their friends being uncomfortable or doing silly things. So it's free advertising for them. And I'm hearing more and more from these companies that it's like they want that in a game. So they've, you know, we've even had stories of Hasbro scouring you know, let's say Kickstarter, looking for the games that might make you go, ew, or weird, or like, what's going on there? Like, if you have any type of strong reaction, that's what they want, because you just created free marketing, right? Which, again, is very different than hobby.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, there's definitely some analogs in hobby, Um, not to do the analog digital thing, but I know last time that Eric and I were talking, uh, Eric Lang and I were talking, was... About the idea that very similar, uh, Eric wants all the Simon stuff that that's not the big zombicide level miniatures yeah. thing to be kind of like that. Like, can you see it when you see it on the table? Do you want to play it? And even better, do you know how to play it? Is it something that has that toyetic factor when you look at it? Um, so he, I think he's taking some broad strokes from Mass and trying to apply a little bit more of the hobby stuff to it. But Simon mm-hmm. wants the whole line; they they really do want you to think of Simon as the first name in games for all your needs, from party games and entry level to gateway to bigger, more strategic games. That's that's mm-hmm. what they would love in the end.
2: And what it comes down to is the accessibility factor, right? Like if someone's willing to either play something because it's short and sweet or cute or they can make a video and embarrass their friends, whatever it is, it's the consumer amounts. So, for example, when you sign a hobby game, you know, your first print of something might be five thousand, ten thousand, you know, and that's pretty standard. That's not standard for mass. Mass is like first print of something is like a hundred thousand so what they're looking for is something that they know will already have this instant appeal or this instant ability to kind of like just say i'm willing to even play with the parts of this game because again that toy factor is really important so if you've looked at kids games in the last couple of years um not just wood base a wood base is a little different especially if it comes from like a lot of them are very or german companies they have a bit of a different approach but if it's north american I'd say, for example, Spin Master came out with one where it was like, I think it's called like Soggy Doggy or something like that. But instantly you see a dog in a bathtub and you're like, I'm going to wash this dog. Like, <laughs> you don't even have to know what the game is about. You're like, I know what I have to do because I see a bathtub in this dog. I'm going to wash this dog. And you know that right away. And that's, that's exactly what they're looking for is can, can the game explain to you through its parts essentially what I'm already going to have to do. Yeah. Because when they're presenting these games, so, uh, you know, t- uh, Tanya, I, I think we, uh, we all know Tanya from Hasbro, right? Tanya Thompson. Yeah.
0: Well, the, when she, the, she used, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. So oh, I met, I met the three of us, but so Tanya Thompson, who's, uh, um, works at Hasbro right now. She used to work at Marbles, uh, the brain store. I think it's called some it's American chain. Not, it's not in Canada. And <laughs> There's a soggy doggy. Um, Anyway, she would always say when she was looking for games, and she still says the same thing for Hasbro too, though it's maybe even more extreme, is that, can I have someone walk up and start playing this in less than a minute? Like, can I kind of basically say, do this, this, and this, and then they're already playing? Because if she can't do that, that game already can't go in that store.
0: Your, your rules need to fit on the side One page. panel of
2: the, yes. side panel One page of the box.
0: The, a page, yeah, it could be
2: explained. I was gonna say, if it could be explained, well, a board page and pictures, right? If it can yeah. be explained basically in three steps, you, yeah. you're good. Like, I mean, you take your cards, you act like a fool in some way, you score it up, we win. Like, yeah. that's what they want.
0: It's it's the side of So, I mean, Jenga is the template here, right?
1: Yeah, you take a block from the bottom and you put it on top. That's it. There's your game. That's game. it.
0: Yeah. That, that is step hey, one. That is step a two. genius
2: game.
1: Oh, <laughs> I mean, it is a I, perfect could, game. I, could, I could talk about Jenga for days, literally days yeah. about how awesome Jenga is. Yeah, so, I mean, that is that is a lot of stuff that I think we understood at a, a kind of a core level, but hearing about, you know, dressing up in suits and all that kind of stuff, that's that's pretty hardcore. That's, that's uh, a whole level of, that's a whole other level. So the other oh. thing I think that people should know Is that it's really expensive like new york
2: or new york toy fair
1: uh new york toy fair and uh uh, chicago toy fair we'll uh, talk
2: about shy tag too because there's a big connection between the two especially if you want to make connections we'll talk about that maybe
0: in a minute yeah for sure i was gonna say uh how do you get meetings at these things is that different too
2: yes because they don't trust a lot of people. There is a lot of liability issues. There is a bit of uh, getting your foot in the door. And so actually, this is a perfect time then to talk about Chai Tag is Chai Tag. I I haven't personally gotten to go myself. uh, But knowing the people who do, and what their experiences are there. It's very similar in some ways where it's like, you know, designers show up with like these insane prototypes for toys and stuff like that. But What's a little different is that you can talk to people a lot more at TIETAG. There's way more chances to go hear people speak and talk to them afterwards. And there's a lot of meet and greets and things like that that aren't necessarily as open at New York Toy Fair. Like New York Toy Fair, if you get invited, like if you go to a party, unfortunately, you have to be invited. It's very much like that. You know, so a spin master of those, a huge one, for example, but you have to be invited. So a lot of people use Chai Tag as their way of meeting a lot of people to set up these future meetings at, let's say, um, New York Toy Fair and stuff like that does help. It does help who, you know, I don't want to say that, but I have to because I feel like in hobby, someone realistically could go booth to booth, introduce themselves, meet enough people, you know, and you're going to get you could get in, you know, meetings on the spot or at least like, you know, someone saying I've got time at the end of the day, something like that. That's not really going to happen here unless someone is like super nice because everyone's kind of in, I hate to say corporate mode. So everyone's like very focused and like straight file trajectory and where they're going. You can go up and introduce yourself. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think you'd have the same success rate as hobby. They're kind of like, oh, who's this person? You know what I mean? Sort of thing. So Mm There is a bit of that. I would try to contact as soon as you could, as early as possible. I think most companies, the bigger ones, once you kind of get at least a a response, they're pretty open about who is pitching, but I will say that they purposely fill up fast and their priority is people they already know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like, again, I hate saying that out loud, but it, that's at least what I've been seeing that you almost do need kind of like, you know, any other corporate world. Uh, you want those introductions if you can, but there's nothing wrong with legwork, but you'll get a lot farther with introductions.
1: I mean, it's similar to hobby in that way as well, but hobby, I think is a yeah. lot more accessible,
2: more forgiving of not knowing yeah. people yeah. in advance. Yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, there's a bunch of things to consider also if you're planning on going mass. So simple things like your name probably won't be on the box. Uh, Most people don't think about stuff like that. If that would be something that might upset you, well, you might not be wanting to go to mass market then because your name might only be mentioned once in like the rule book.
1: In a very small font,
2: And and that's the reality of it. People might not even know that you made that thing because that's how the toy industry works. And so I think a big takeaway, too, is understand that New York Toy Fair, even from the gaming side, is still very much run by people who work in the toy industry. Yeah. And the toy industry is incredibly cutthroat. And the reason is, is because, as I said, people spend thousands of dollars on these prototypes because it could make them hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so people are secretive. People are worried about ideas being stolen. People genuinely act more like you took my opportunity than I would say hobby games sort of are. There, There's a lot more mean. I don't even know. Yeah, I know maybe meanness or in toy inventors. And I think it's, I think it's a corporate culture that's come out of it. I don't think it's the person Mm -hmm. per se. I think it's what they've kind of been directed into how they're going to act. So if you ever meet someone coming from the toy world and you're wondering why they are acting a certain way, maybe they're being super competitive, super secretive, kind of acting like, um, you know, an opportunity taken by somebody else is something they're not going to get is unfortunately that kind of is how the toy world acts and so it seems very different from the hobby side when you're like nobody took anything from you i'm not gonna touch your idea at all like where is this coming from well it's coming from the fact that it's so again if you meet people from the toy world you may have to give them time to adjust to the fact that it's like no one's gonna try to take your idea or sabotage you or anything like that like we promise but obviously they're being conditioned to act a different way.
1: Yeah. Cool, before we move any further, I just wanted to read something that Eric posted. Eric posted, I've reached out to some companies through the New York Times uh, website. They have a system where you can input all the stuff you do and it shows you all the companies tagged with that stuff. So I got 25 curated companies that seem to be a fit. Then some of those have an online portal where you can try to get the meeting. But then Eric found out that a lot of these meetings are for them to meet with wholesalers or manufacturers, not to take pitches. So, you know, it's still not all quite, you know, perfectly there.
2: So here's something else to think about uh, is that a lot of mass companies, they have internal designers. So yep. they, have, um, they have people who already work internally to make them games who are perfectly happy being salary and never getting their names on boxes, right? So they do have, obviously, like toy inventors that are part of their staff. Uh, but again, most of the time when they're going, their focus might be more on the toy side. And then there's happens to be maybe that one person there to look at games. So mm-hmm. it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily their focus, but it, it, it still is a great opportunity to go meet with you know, mass game producers
1: cool 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 Um, what would you say is the is the best thing about Toy Fair New York Toy Fair
2: you know what there's something really fun about walking into something that seems like the world's biggest toy store yeah I don't know how else to put that. Because it's nothing but toys and games everywhere. And there's so much stuff. You're like, I want one of those. I want one of those. I want one of those, too. I mean, unfortunately, you know, my my kids get very uh, jealous when I send them pictures from, like, the Thai, like, Beanie Boos and things like that. Like, it shows you the entire year. You can see what everything looks like coming out. Mm. And they'll be like, can you, like, my son will be like, can you get me the new Paw Patrol figures? Like, nope, they're not in stores yet. <laughs> Because they don't sell one-offs.
1: Right. They're like crates so, and skids. And
2: yeah, it's more like kind of, uh, visual shopping. Skids? Yeah. Yes, yes. They want by box. Like how many boxes of that one thing are you getting? You know, yeah. it's not like a variety of them. So, I mean, that's so, important to know too. But yeah, it's it's actually really fun to see what toys are coming out next. And so I, in, in a lot of ways, I find that very inspiring.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so Daryl has mentioned in our comments that uh, it's important to understand not only do companies have designers, but they have people who are inventor relations persons. What is an inventor mm-hmm. relations person, and how do I catch one?
2: <laughs> how do <you> catch one? <laughs> you gotta find them that's a good question actually they're
0: like pokemon in a way <laughs> they're like
2: pokemon you gotta wait until you find the shiny
0: throw oh, he's adding them?
2: another one well, so D- daryl's adding uh also there are upper tier designers in the mass world but they have small fish in the hobby world uh so gotta work your way up in the different worlds that's absolutely true it is kind of like you gotta slowly get noticed uh so people want to see what you've got next
1: yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of the same in the hobby world. It's just you have to understand that just because you're big in one doesn't mean you're going to be big in the other, and vice versa. And yeah, it's totally appropriate. And, and you know
2: what? Not the same audience. I mean, no. it's not the same pitch style. Not even the same game style for the most part, right? Right. You're kind of going back to that toy idea. So, but it's it's a fun like if that's kind of the space you want to play in, you know, it is kind of fun building up essentially a game that has all these toys in it, you know, or. Mm-hmm. The toy is the game or something in that that blend of that idea that we all love so much as kids, right? That's how we started. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So about inventor relations people. So um the the one that the person that we know the best, probably all of us, is Tanya. Um she is in or was in that role with Hasbro. I'm not sure if she still is, but um and before her it was uh wasn't it it was Dougal and before Dougal you know Mike Gray and so there's been a lot of people in those positions who were who were designing games like Mike Gray designed tons and tons of games excuse me many that you might have played uh and then he went into um you know inventor relations at some point uh probably not as his main thing maybe just something he did on the side for other people while he was doing there so anyways yeah I I think um and there's a lot of stuff that is uh, happening behind the scenes that we just don't know because we've never been to Toy Fair. So it's it's, it's a it's a big deal. Um, so it's nice to know that it's not entirely inaccessible. But that you know, being armed with some of the information that Erica's uh, graciously passed on to us today, and other people like Gerald have filled in on the the comments. Uh, I think that's great. If anybody in the comments, by the way, has more questions for Erica let us know or if anybody else in the comments has been to New York toy fair or, or Ch- Ch- Tag and has other comments like I know Andrew's there so yeah just just help out help out your folk man uh, let yeah. people know what they can do so yeah just keep on going uh, Jesse any other questions that we have
0: uh, I we don't have any other questions in the in the comments out there but you still never told me how I um, catch an in, in inventor relator.
2: Oh, I was gonna say, I think you have to catch them kind of in, in practice, which is hard because as I said, someone like Tanya, she doesn't even, um, she doesn't even necessarily come to the floor. Uh, The way that Hasbro works is that she's usually set up in a hotel offsite. You will sit in the lobby and wait to be told it's your turn to come up. Right. Um, you know, once they know that, let's say, for example, you know, the last person's left because again, there's some reason they don't want you seeing each other. But yeah, so the the hard thing is if they're hiding up in a hotel somewhere, it would be really hard to meet them unless somehow you're able to reach out and actually get a response. That's why as as and Daryl's kind of saying right now, I re- recommend Chai Tag. It's the same thing I was saying before. Is there more and more? What I'm hearing is there's a lot more uh, chances for that one-on-one meeting, where most people going there are already within that world. And it's, but they're maybe more relaxed than New York Toy Fair is, right? In New York Toy Fair, their their book, like I bet you, Tan has got like more than two thirds of her entire thing booked before she shows up. That's just inventors she has to meet with, and then maybe the rest of it can be slotted with a couple extra things she might get to see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, a really good thing to remember too is that no matter what convention you go to, if you know sort of where people are hanging out you need to be hanging out there too. And so, you know, Gen Con is Gen Con or, or which one has the bar on too? Is that Gen Con or origins? That's origins. I it's like, there's everyone just knows whatever bar it is that whatever hotel bar <laughs> It is. That's attached to the convention center. Is most likely where you're going to show up with. Like the publishers are going to show up after the fact, or or you know that uh the there or the inventors might be there or the inventor relations might be there. And there's a couple of really good people to know too. So uh, I actually, Daryl's beating me to this before I even say anything. Uh, so Mary Cousins is an amazing person to reach out to because she. She seems, she just seems like an incredibly friendly person, just an incredible person in general. Uh, I know that she's responded to just like random people sending her questions about, like, how do I get this? How do I do this? And so, one good thing to know about New York Toy Fair, too, is that people like that are there. There are usually uh, kind of, I think, you know, that Monday, Tuesday night sort of thing where, you know, it's kind of the end of the New York Toy Fair, but people are still around. That tends to be when there's a lot of get togethers that if you can kind of like tag along to one and to meet people kind of like within the industry who are hanging out at whatever restaurant or bar at the time, because a lot of times they'll actually rent the place out. So it'll be nothing but, you know, publishers, inventors, you know, relations, things like
1: that. Oh, here's an interesting point. Uh, Stefan Brunel um, mentioned that the easiest way to get in is with an agent. And that's actually, most likely true. If you can yeah. find an agent who does it, So the agents in the toying and um, the that end of the toy industry, uh, they are connected, so they already have meetings set up. And so what you're doing when you're getting an agent is you're basically paying for their access. Um, mm. that they will, in lieu of you, present your games, pitch your games or your product toys, whatever it is. The people they already have a, a really good relationship with that they know like on a first name basis. They talk to all the time at every show, that type of thing. Uh, and the agent can get your foot in the door without you even having to be there. And, and yeah. so that's another way to do it if you're not the type of person who will. Um, you know, wants to travel or, you know, just can't stand the crowds or whatever, or can't travel because of work or whatever other responsibilities you might have. The only thing about agents is that they take your, you have to pay them Uh, and it, it can very in different ways of how you pay them, but the most common way is a percentage of your royalties. Yeah, will yeah. go to them, and it can be a, a, actually a quite a large cut. It can go up to like you know even fifty percent. It all depends yeah. on how much work they're doing, how difficult that company is to get a you know in contact with. Like there's there were there was a time many years ago where to get in front of like a Hasbro, you, you just couldn't, right? You'd have to have an agent, or you'd have to have been established in the industry already. So, anyways,
2: yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, agents in uh, the toy part are definitely a big thing. And as you said, like, you know, we just mentioned half the people that we would have loved to have come on to talk about, you know, how things work internally at their business. They're all in Nuremberg right now. Right. So not everybody can go fly to Europe. You know, you need someone who can do all that for mm-hmm. you. Just, do you uh, is Liz, Lizbeth, is she, uh, she's technically an agent, isn't she? Lizbeth both? I'm just trying to think about board game agents. Uh, Doesn't she yeah. represent people?
1: Um, she's a thunder griff and stuff like that, but there, there are definitely agents out there for board games, like Forge Next uh, and whatnot.
0: Hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh, sorry. I think I said there was a good comment a minute ago. What someone who said something. Someone said a sneaky tip.
0: Oh, uh, that was Daryl. Uh, Sense put that oh. put it up. Go during setup. People don't have meetings, and many inventor relations people and owners want an excuse to set step away from setup
2: <laughs> and let the volunteers finish. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Oh, so a point of fact for that one is it'll matter what your badge says. Right. Right. Uh. You. So. Yeah, maybe and that could help too i never really thought about that way uh because usually i will actually ask a publisher that i'm connected to to see if they'll get me a a new york toy fair pass and what happens is is that will actually let you access at different times depending on what your badge is stamped with
0: right uh like
2: a like a regular con like anyone who's been to like any other hobby con same thing
0: right? Yeah. Daryl has mentioned White Castle Games is an agent for game designers that folks might touch base. It's worth
2: it's worth considering, right? Because they're going to get in front of somebody, they might have, you know, several games they are representing. But as I said, when you go to anybody, uh, they basically want to speed round it. If they don't see anything they like, they'll just be next, next, next. And I guess that's another thing to say, too, is don't show up with one game that would definitely not benefit you in any way. Um, at the very least, especially if this is like, you know, you your first time in front of them, maybe show a bit of a variety of what you're capable of. Because if you show for one game and you, they're not looking for anything like that, you're already done. They'll just say, "Nope, we we don't need that this year. Like that's Five it. second
0: meeting.
2: And that's it. And you don't want to do that to yourself. So, as I said, I would recommend you. You really do want to have a few things ready to go that maybe show a little bit of scope on your end. And I will say the only time that I've ever sort of been disappointed by kind of this, the mass pitching, and it's just a heads up because it took me a little bit to kind of be okay with this idea and still makes me think about it sometimes, is be prepared to be told there's too much game. It is a very strange thing to wrap your head around, but as hobby designers, even when we think we're being light we are probably not being light enough. What it goes into is it's, that complexity level and again how long does it take to explain so mm-hmm. I, it's happened enough times now where i was basically like this is a really cute idea or i like this element of it or i like that this lights up whatever it is but there's too much game here how would you pull that back
1: yeah no i can see that as being a thing so
2: it, just <coughs> be mindful of it yeah that, don't be defensive and, right yes and they're not te- like because at first it sounds like so you want a toy that has you know maybe one mechanic but that's kind of what they're asking yeah, is, a lot of ways. Yeah, and and not to think that it's like wow. not that there's no game there because the first couple of times I heard that I was like, so "You want a toy?" And then you're like, "No, no, no." What they really want is they want something that, as we said, like that soggy doggy example. I want to yeah. see it. I already want to touch it, and I probably know like seventy five percent of what I'm going to do before I even yeah. start.
0: Rules in three pictures, right? Yep. And if you've got too much game, like one way that you can figure out for yourself if you've got too much game is if you can't do the rules in three pictures. Um, Pretty
2: much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just something to be aware of. You know, it's it's whenever you are, whenever you're trying to get into any type of field, you just kind of have to n- learn the expectations of that field and know that even though mass and, and hobby are both games, they're not looking for the same thing and they don't go about it in the same way.
1: So um, just because... Um, Daryl mentioned it. I'm going to try to bring the white castle thing up here, but it's, it's apparently.
2: Or post it in the comments.
0: Yeah.
1: So anyways, they, they asked for, you know, conditions, you know, preparation before sending your game, uh, please add the following items. Uh, it has to be tested. Don't forget the name of the game. All this kind of stuff. Uh, so it has this like, like, no, like <laughs> it has this little checklist that you should sign. You should check and see. this are all the things that you should need to send before you send your game idea.
2: Oh, here's some other interesting ones. Okay, so let's say because they didn't really get into what if they like something. Mm-hmm. So if they like something, they kind of have some a system that's somewhat similar to uh, some of the maybe bigger hobby publishers, but also a little bit different because. Even to get on their portals, you need another NDA signed to have access to the portal. Uh, but they very much are video focused. So I know some people put together videos for uh, for their games. That's a big thing in Mass is a video of how it's played, especially if you can get your audience playing it. And again, kind of creating that like, early like viral video or that early video of What's this going to look like if I go to film somebody playing your game? Uh, not just explaining it, but actually show people playing it. They'll A lot of the times, yeah, so a lot of the times what they'll ask you for is they want to print and play unless they can take a, um, a prototype. And some love taking prototypes and some may not want to carry them. And so that's something to be aware of too. And almost everybody wants a video. I don't think I've almost ever been somewhere where something got interest, someone was interested in something, and video wasn't something asked for. There's also kind of some interesting things that can happen that don't necessarily happen at maybe with everybody. It has to be a very large publisher, but it is something that happens more within the toy world. Is this idea of uh, kind of like optioning an idea? So the idea is, like, you see something that you love so much, I'm willing to put money on it to kind of, like, put my thumb on it for a little while so then nobody else can have that idea for X amount of time. They're willing to sometimes spend thousands of dollars for these options that may never go through, but they literally don't want anyone else touching the idea. So they're willing to pay Mm -hmm. to make sure that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, that is a very different place to be, for sure. Yeah. Um, So uh, Daryl's asking a couple questions here. Uh, he asked, where do you meet with publishers? And, which I think you've a- answered a little bit, but then he also- Yeah, I don't asked- think
2: he was there when we were talking about the hotels and the yeah. separate yeah. office booths and all that uh, kind of
1: so, stuff. So uh, Daryl's asking, how long does it take for people to follow up?
2: So that's an interesting one because they actually have their own schedules that I find in some ways, I think they stick to them a bit better. But um, I mean, anybody who sends you, you asks you for something, it's always good to get a deadline or timeline. Yeah of when, you expect, or when they expect you to send something, and then when you they expect to get back to you. You really should ask these things because ideally you might want to show these to somebody else, and you don't necessarily want to do that if you've kind of committed it to somebody already, right? So yeah. just be clear if you're leaving something with them and you know that you've got a similar audience coming up at let's say Gen Con, are you going to get back in six months?
1: All right. Well, that's it for tonight, everyone. Uh, we're going to just get some wrap-up from Jesse, and then we'll ask Erica for final tips, uh, yeah. for final advice. And
0: then we are going to wrap that up. So here we go. All Jesse. right. So, so Erica, if I have been listening, I think so I four, four big takeaway tips, I think, that we've got for folks that are going to New York Toy Fair, and then one small side tip related to that. First, the side tip go to chai tag and the four big high level things that I think I've taken away from this is that you should be prepared to teach your game in three pictures. You need to dress to impress. It's a professional event and go to socials and meet people. And you should also bring multiple games with you so that it's worth everyone's time. Did I miss anything in terms of,
2: no, that's it. The one last thing I'll say, and this is true of hobby or mass, please, everybody, if someone took the time to like, you know, sit down in front of you to look at your games turn around and say what are you looking for next Mm -hmm. like just ask because you know what they will tell you that okay you know what we've got a whole card line coming we need to fill it we need one player games we need puzzle games we need like whatever it is they will outright tell you this is our focus because we have not filled this void yet and don't forget to ask that because i don't think enough people actually ask that question when they have a publisher right in front of them say what are you looking for next
1: yeah. That's very critical. Even in hobby, that's critical there too. As I said, so.
2: hobby, it's big in hobby. But uh, yeah, I would say it's any any meeting you have with any publisher, please ask them uh, because then you won't show them something that honestly is kind of a waste of both your times, right? It, especially if you know each other already and it's not about kind of, you know, that, that first introduction of showing off like what you're capable of.
1: Right. Perfect. Yeah. So... Uh, just for the last things here, I guess that's your final piece of advice, Erica. Uh, but how do we get in touch with you? How do people get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you, Erica? So
2: besides, all of us can be found on the Meeple Syrup page. Uh, if you tag us, we do respond. But I, I also am on uh, Twitter at Frenemy Games, of so Frenemy with an I to emphasize the friend.
0: And Jesse? <laughs> I am the Meeple Syrup page. Okay, you
1: are the Meeple Share page. And you can find me on <laughs> Twitter at page. Senfeng Lim, uh, as well as on the Meeple Share page with Jesse. Yeah. All right, so <laughs> thanks very much. Uh, what are we doing next week?
2: Dissecting no. the game. Oh, yeah. So I'm it's our, our first, our first jump into. Yeah, and so the idea is just for the audience. This is a new one because we have a lot of mechanics talk. And so it's kind of an excuse to focus on <laughs> all the mechanics that are in within one game and sort of how all the elements of play come together. So don't necessarily think of these as like reviews. What we're really doing is, I mean, obviously we'll probably share our personal opinions on stuff, but we're really going to be kind of pulling apart how the game you know, is played and how it works and what things we kind of think really work or don't or if we agree or disagree. Doesn't really matter. Yeah, design
1: <laughs> but... decisions, design design interesting like, things that are interesting design wise for us.
0: So mm-hmm. yeah, looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, all right, we'll see you guys all later. Uh, and thank you very much for everyone in the comments. It was lovely to see the wonderful responses people are giving, the questions asked, and then everybody just interacting with each other. It's it's brilliant. So thanks very much. Oh, uh, before we go, we should probably let you all know that we're we're opening a another page. A group actually on oh, Facebook, yeah. uh, which is the Maple Syrup Shop Talk. And Eric and Zach will be our moderators yeah. uh, on there along with us. Just, you know, many hands, light work, all that kind of stuff. So look for some yes. announcements regarding that within the next week where we are going to start doing some more community yeah. engagement in that group instead of on the page. Uh, pages yes. are good for announcements, but not really good for getting the conversation started.
2: The okay, side so, conversations,
1: yeah. Yeah we'll see you later and yes what does gavin want all right, yeah.
0: <laughs> bye. and on that note bye. 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 bye thank you for listening to the meeple syrup show if you'd like to support us on all of our projects please check out our patreon page we can be found at www.patreon.com backslash meeple syrup until next time
1: make some great games